This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. It's the offseason, but as listeners to this podcast know, there is there is really no offseason when it comes to talent acquisition in college football nowadays with recruiting being year-round and the transfer portal uh, revving up into high gear. This is, for those unaware of the calendar, uh, this is the last week that players... Uh, can put their name in the portal and still be eligible to play immediately in 2022. Um, now, they can put their name in the portal after May 1st and transfer wherever they want to then, uh, you know, during the summer months. But uh, if they if they do it that way, then they have to sit out the 2022 season. So, and of course, too, if they enter the portal this week, and don't, uh, you know, don't pick their destination until the summer, they're still good to go for 2022 because they uh, put their name in in time. It's just a matter of when do you enter the portal? Um, So this could be a busy week with portal action. We'll see how that all shakes out because I think this is the first year where that deadline has been a thing. Um, So we'll see if there's a mad rush uh, both in and out of the portal from a Miami Hurricanes perspective. So that's a little bit of a transition to our first talking point, Gabby, since our last podcast, right? We did an emergency uh, instant reaction podcast to the Akeem Mesador transfer commitment, the talented West Virginia interior defensive lineman. Um, I believe what a day or two later, uh, it was Friday, uh, Miami landed finally landed after a couple cycles of the fan base uh, wanting a linebacker in the portal. They got their guy, Caleb Johnson, out of UCLA. 6'1", 230 pounds, uh, played over 900 defensive snaps at UCLA the last two years, combined 89 tackles, seven tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, two picks over the last two years. so Gabby, I know this was, you know, I think following his visit, Miami felt good 
Then he took that one visit to Texas afterward. And, you know, things got a little shaky, maybe, or a little interesting uh, during that. But at the end, I think Miami just made a very strong impression. And also, too, maybe it helped having uh, a, a teammate at UCLA and Mitchell Gude also transferring to Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think all, I mean, Mitchell Gude being at Miami definitely, I think, was a factor for Caleb Johnson and him deciding to come to Miami ultimately. I mean, even coming off the visit, I think there's, they were, they were pretty confident. You know, I think they're feeling really good about, you know, all of just, you know, really just their effort in general. And, um, you know, they were trying to kind of talk about it at Texas official visit. But, you know, even after he spent some time in Austin, a school he originally signed to play with. Um, at one point of his recruiting process, it's kind of been a long one with multiple stops and and a junior college, um, you know, stint there as well. Um, so, but yeah, he, I mean, signed the letter of intent with Texas at one point. So went back over there to see if that was something he maybe wanted to explore again and ultimately just landed back at Miami. I think that that was where he was want, he, where he really ultimately wanted to be. Maybe just wanted to check out something else, just, just see what was, what else was out there, maybe covering all his bases, but even heading into that Miami official visit, um, it felt like Miami was just where he was going to, you know, land and, and, Thankfully, that's where that's how it all worked out. And Miami has himself a linebacker. Here we go. How do we expect him to be used? I think I think you and I would both agree he's he's going to be a starter, right? I think that's a given. I think it's just where, right? Because six one two thirty, um, you know, he could play middle or weak side. I think is where the discussion is, and, and he played both at UCLA. Um, I think in this most recent season, he was playing a little bit more at weak side, uh, maybe in 2020. I think he played a little bit more in the middle. So he's a guy that could play both, which is a good thing. But just what is your opinion of, let's just say this is the linebacker route, right? Miami doesn't land any other linebackers. Do you think it's best to play Caleb in the middle or at the weak side? And then in addition to that answer, who would you pair him with? Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably put him in the middle um, just because, you know, again, I mean, again, I'm not trying to I'm not a Corey Flag hater or anything like that. But I do think you need someone else that, you know, could really, you know, just run the middle. And again, he did it in 2020. I thought he was really productive. I think that's when he had a lot of the tackle for loss, um, the high sack numbers, too. I think it was like five and a half sacks. Um, so, you know, I think he can be productive in the middle. He was asked to do a lot of like coverage stuff in 2021 for UCLA. I think if you just throw him in the middle and just allow him to play more and just like, you know, kind of North South, I think he'd be a sidelines to sideline type of guy too. So, you know, I think Caleb Johnson brings a lot. And again, I think we need someone to really push Corey flag. I think if Corey flag is the complimentary piece at middle linebacker, I think that's a better situation. So, yeah, I mean, long winded answer, but yeah, I'd probably put him in the middle. Um, I mean, I'd probably pair him maybe just like a Keontre Smith type. I don't, I mean, I'm not really sure about like exactly who I'd pair him with, but uh, you know, I think Keontre Smith is a guy that's just kind of performed well at weak side linebacker. And I think he's a guy that's growing into that position pretty well. So I think that's someone that I would probably, you know, Caleb Johnson and Keontre Smith, I think that gives you an athletic group of linebackers that, um, you know, I think you can just move around and have some fun with. Would be, it would be an athletic duo. Um, I, I don't, I don't, disagree with what you're saying I would probably for some reason I want to put him at the weak side spot um I feel like 
I feel like Caleb's at his best when he's in coverage. I think he could, he's pretty good in coverage for a linebacker. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's like a lockdown coverage guy. Uh, he's like a four. I think it was supposed to run like a four six. Yeah, forty. I mean, that's pretty he's, impressive. He's pretty smooth too when he drops back, and I think as well, he's also pretty good at blitzing off the edge, uh, which you know, of course, middle linebackers can blitz as well. Um, I just think weak side guys uh, attack the line of scrimmage more. Um, so I, again, this is if the linebacker room is as currently constructed. I would prefer him at the weak side. Um, I also think too, I'm with you. Like Keontre is very, I mean, he's small, but he is uh, athletic. He can really burst to the ball. Um, but his lack of size, I think makes it tough for him to wrap up and tackle at times. And we saw that last year, right? He missed, He's credited by Pro Football Focus missing 14 tackles, and his missed tackle percentage was 28.6, which is way too high. Anything more than 15 is not great. Anything more than 20 is bad. Uh, you know, to be transparent, Caleb uh, had a 20% missed tackle percentage last year, so he also needs to improve his tackling from a year ago. Um, I just think you put Caleb at the weak side in the middle. I think you let Corey and uh, Wayne Midsteed battle it out. Seems like in the spring, this coaching staff gives an edge to Wayneman. Um, but, you know, Corey, I think, I think Corey can be dependable. I think he can be dependable, especially if the defensive line is better in front of him. Um, and I think, they are taking steps to put the personnel in place to have a more consistent defensive line than what they saw a year ago. I think we should transition to this though, Gabby. Um, my opinion of that changes if Miami, uh, you know, there's a guy in the portal kind of to know Eric Gentry, right? Tell us about him, what we need to know there, where he's from, size, all that stuff. Yeah, Eric Gentry, a big, you know, big six foot six, like I guess outside linebacker, maybe twenty ish. Yeah, I would say. exactly. Yeah, could maybe be more of an edge guy. Um, but you know, he's a he's a big time name in the portal. Um, you know, the R twenty four seven Sports uh, Northeast analyst Brian Doan, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I guess linked Gentry to Miami and USC amongst a, a host of other programs. So I absolutely think that Gentry's a name to know for Miami fans, and if he's someone that. You know, they could eventually bring in on a visit or do anything like that. I'm not sure if anything's been formally set up yet. The coaches are out on the road a lot this week. So I think it's going to be, you know, tough to maybe set up any sort anything sort of official during this week, maybe closer to the weekend. I'm not really sure about that. But, um, you know, he's definitely an interesting name to know. Originally from Philadelphia. Um, and so, you know, I think he would be a really intriguing name. Freshman All-American over at Arizona State. And uh, yeah, I, David, you got you got to see him at Battle Miami. Uh, what was it back in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty? Which which one was? Yeah, that? it might have been twenty twenty. I think it predates you a little bit. I yeah. don't think because I don't I don't remember seeing him at that. Yeah, at I that don't first think you Battle were Miami. with us then. Um, so I think it predates you maybe by a few months. But yeah, he was out. I didn't know anything about him, right? So these seven on seven tournaments attract national teams. 
he was with a team that was, you know, heavy Philadelphia area guys. And you can't miss him because he's a six foot six guy. He's kind of a gangly guy. And I remember, you know, Andrew Ivins and I were watching him and it's like, you know, yeah, he's definitely not a finished product because he was still growing into his body, of course. But um, there was something there. I mean, his length was a lot to contend with, even in the seven on seven setting. He was batting, batting down a lot of balls. His change of direction was intriguing for his size. And, you know, Andrew and I, you know, Miami, that Miami staff was not interested, uh, you know, past name along, wasn't interested. But Andrew and I just came away watching him just, just kind of saying there's something there. And they're mighty, I think we even said, you know, I mean, this, you could say might've been a lazy comp, I don't know, or a lazy comparison, but, uh, you know, there's some Greg Rousseau type things there because at that same stage, Greg was also very raw, still growing into his body, et cetera, et cetera. But once that process catches up at the college level, you could have a freak. And I think that's that's what Eric Gentry was. He flashed a little bit of a big time ability at Arizona state. He started four games as a true freshman, uh, 341 defensive snaps, 45 tackles, five tackles for loss and one sack. So, um, he definitely has those physical traits that would be, uh, impactful, right? You feel guys that are six foot six, um, they can make an impact just from their presence. Um, and so I guess going back to the awkward transition to talking about Eric Gentry, I think if, if for instance, like Miami is able to land an Eric Gentry, he is your, your outside linebacker. And then Caleb Johnson, of course, you, you play in the middle um, as that 6-1-2-30 guy. So, uh, you know, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done in the portal. I think um, landing an Eric Gentry would definitely be big time ad uh, for those physical traits. Anything else to touch on with Eric Gentry? Well, with Eric, I was just, just kind of curious with Eric Gentry. Like I know you, you just dropped the Greg Russo type of comp. I mean, again, not saying he's him or anything, but is he someone that even if Miami were to bring him on, would you view him as more of like the stand up outside linebacker type, or could you see him being like a, maybe like a, a I think he's maybe? a linebacker. Okay. I think he's a little narrow little more narrow in the shoulders uh because you're six six and it's like i don't know how, like i know there's not a ton of guys that are standing up back there at six six right so naturally my head's like okay maybe a guy that's going to end up like maybe dropping down to the line of scrimmage you know getting he his, could. His head in the third or maybe just be like a stand-up edge or like jack yeah or whatever he could yeah he could be a versatile guy that rushes a little bit and plays linebacker um i was speaking more so like i mean of course greg went from being a safety in high school to a defense, a safety slash wide receiver to a defensive lineman. I don't know if Gentry is going to do that, but I'm speaking to like, okay, it's a little awkward looking, but there's definitely something there. Um, if he gets in a good strength and conditioning program, et cetera, et cetera, he could blossom into something special. That's where I think the Greg Rousseau comp yeah. uh, works. Yeah, um, another freak, right? Daryl Jackson, a transfer on the defensive line. Tell us, so he's a guy from Maryland. He's from the Panhandle area, state uh -huh. of Florida, right? Let's start with the freaky traits, right? Because I don't know if, 
I don't know if the average Miami fan knows much about Daryl Jackson or should. I mean, he was kind of a three-star guy. I think Miami yeah. flirted with him a little bit coming out of high school, right? Um, but why should Miami fans know about him? Why is this staff extremely excited about him? Why is this guy a freak? Yeah. I mean, they're pretty excited about him because when they walk, when he walked through the doors, I mean, all he did was measure in at six foot five, 303 pounds with a, with an 86 inch wingspan. And for those, you know, mathematically challenged like myself, that's a seven foot two, seven foot two wingspan. That's ridiculous at six, five. So, I mean, just extremely plus wingspan, 11 inch hands. So, I mean, guys like that don't just show up, you know, walking through the door every day, not a ton of dudes like that walking around on, on planet earth, you know, so just Correct. definitely a freaky type of defensive lineman, uh, a first off the bus type of guy. I mean, I wrote this morning on the website, but like, you know, one of my, one of my sources at Miami said that he would be the, the best looking guy on the roster. Like he would just be like the best looking player there. Like, you know, he's just that type of guy. Again, when you're talking about reimagining the trenches or reinventing the trenches the way Mario Cristobal is. And, and I mean, to their credit, I think what they've done already is, is really good. Yes. And with the key Mesador and Mitchell Gude and Lich, Jake Lichtenstein, Antonio Moultrie, I think those are all big time additions. And I think if yes. that's even how it ends up, I think that's a big win for them, but even throwing in a Darrell Jackson type, I mean, this is, this is something that just takes it to a, to the next level. Um, talk about like maybe just like an sec looking defensive line. And again, I have harped on this podcast about what it needs to look like to win at a big, uh, uh, you know, at the, at the highest level, not saying Miami's there yet, but these uh, Darrell Jackson type is, is, is someone that most, if not all of those defenses that you see playing for, you know, in the college football playoff or in a national championship, uh, you know, this is, that's the type of guy that they have somewhere along the defensive line. So huge freaky type of talent for sure. And another Greg Russo reference, right? I looked up what his wingspan was at the NFL combine. Um, so we all know Greg Rousseau is a freaky wingspan too, right? 83 inch wingspan. So Daryl Jackson, uh, three inch longer wingspan, I got seven foot two. Uh, and you know, of course we all know line of scrimmage play a lot of times can be, especially at the college level, it can just be about who is able to get their hands on the other guy first, right? Who's able to engage first. Um, there's not going to be many offensive linemen at the NFL level that would be able to win that wingspan battle against uh, Darrell Jackson. He, like those physical traits, Gabby, reminds me a lot of, and you, I don't know if this uh, is kind of an old reference for you, I don't know, but uh, reminds me of Richard Seymour, who was uh, a former Patriot, a former Raider, a former uh, University of Georgia defensive lineman, 6'6", 299. He ran a 495 in the 40 at the combine back in the day. Uh, first round pick, six overall by the Patriots. He played both defensive tackle and defensive end. And again, his wingspan was huge uh, at the NFL level. In his career, he had 39 passes defended. So that's basically 39, uh, you know, pass deflections at the line the of line scrimmage. scrimmage right. One season, he had 10. So uh, <laughs> wild. that's just a way. I mean, we saw how Jake Lichtenstein made yeah. that type of impact play in the spring game, right? He's another guy with uh, length on the line of scrimmage, a 6'6 guy. Uh, Daryl Jackson's even longer than Jake. Um, 
So forget just getting, being able to engage, disengage uh, with linemen with your wingspan. He can also stick his, his arm up and bat balls down at the line of scrimmage, which is valuable, of course, too. Um, before we get into like what we need to know about his recruiting status um, moving forward, how do you view him fitting in? Let's say he does hypothetically pick Miami. How do you view him fitting in immediately in this 2022 two deep? Cause he's a guy, I think he is, you know, he still would have two years before he would be NFL draft eligible. Who knows if, if he would be that type of guy. Um, so he's a guy that could be in the program at least two more years. Um, is he a guy that's definitely a two deep guy? Would you project him as a starter? Would you project project him as a rotational guy that's still going to play a ton of snaps? How do you view him? Yeah, probably as a rotational guy that plays a ton of snaps. I mean, he played in thirteen all 13 games for Maryland last year. I'm not sure how much he started, um, but I think he's a guy, again, he's still really young. So you see all, this, all the stuff and how big he is and all that stuff. I mean, this is still a guy that's entering his second year in college football. So, um, I mean, I don't, wouldn't expect him to just come in here and jump anyone on the depth chart, but I think he's someone that you throw into the mix there consistently. And he could be a guy that just gets just, you know, again, another body that you just throw into the mix there that again, just one of those like freaky body types. So, um, you know, I could definitely see him being a too deep guy, a, a significant rotational piece, maybe a guy like you're talking about Richard Seymour, maybe a guy that could play both defensive ends and maybe even on the inside yeah. too. Like Situations. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's someone again, that just, he just brings something different to your defense. And uh, you know, he's a body that I think just can give you a lot of quality, a lot of quality snaps on any given Saturday. I am curious. I, I would be intrigued about what lining him and his length, um, and strength, what that would look like next to Akeem Mesador, who's explosive, can play low, play with twitch off the ball. You combine those two as like interior guys together uh, on some snaps. I think that would be difficult for an offensive line to handle, right? You could do some twist games with those guys. Um, it would be a nightmare. You could also say, what would it look like with him and Leonard Taylor paired together? So again, I mean, these are like the type of additions that it's like, all right, these are worth some wins, you know, right. like this, this matters in the win loss columns. Um, also too, Gabby, like, I think you land a guy like, like Daryl Jackson, you know, I think in the ACC, probably only Clemson would have a better defensive line. I think yeah. so Clemson's starting group would be better. Uh, they have guys like Brian Brzee, Taylor, or Tyler Davis, uh, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas. So that's a very strong starting four. I think we could have a conversation about the depth. Maybe Miami's depth might be better than Clemson's, but you still give the edge to the starting group uh, overall if you're evaluating the defensive lines. But I think Miami would, you get a guy like Daryl Jackson, Miami clearly has the second best defensive line in the ACC which matters. Um, and you know, you, you feel better about your chances going to take on a Texas A&M, right. Who recruits often or line of scrimmage players at a very high level. Um, so yeah, it, it would be a big time addition. We'll see. There's still a ways to go in this battle. Tell us what we need to know there. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, Daryl Jackson officially visited Miami over the weekend. I mean, you know, even Saturday night, early Sunday morning, I got a lot of, you know, really pro Miami buzz. I, you know, I, I did, I fired into crystal ball on Sunday morning just because I thought that, you know, it sounded to me like it was that it was, that there was potential that, um, you know, everything sort of came together. Um, you know, it sounds like, well, uh, he's going to officially visit Florida this coming weekend. So I don't think anything is imminent at the moment. Um, but I do think it's notable that that Florida official visit was originally scheduled for May 13th. So I think the fact that Florida made sure to put, get that pushed up, I think is scrambling pretty. Yeah. I think it feels like Florida scrambling a little bit because they knew Miami was, you know, potentially right there in terms of just actually landing him. I mean, he called Florida. It was like, what this time last week, we kind of just assumed that Florida was the leader or he had said that Florida was the leader uh, comes down to Miami for that official visit. And it felt like the tone changed really, really quickly. So, um, you know, I think Miami did a really good job. there presenting both on field and off field opportunities with name, image, and likeness, obviously becoming a major part of, you know, college football. And, you know, obviously we've seen what Miami has been able to do in terms of Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Nigel Pack. I mean, the Kansas state transfer and the reported contract that, I'm not going to say contract. I mean, I guess this isn't the NFL, but the reported NIL deal that he got. Um, so, you know, I think that there's opportunities there for sure. Um, so, you know, I do think that Miami presented a very, you know, intriguing case for themselves. I think that got, I think Florida got word of that. I think again, they're trying to make that official visit happen now because uh, it feels like Miami's in a, in a really, really good spot there. I still really like where they stand and um, let's see how, let's see how things are. are we'll see what the tone is after this Florida official visit. Because I yeah. think uh, that'll be that'll be notable. Yeah, this is this is transfer recruiting now, right? So Miami made their case. Florida gets a chance to try and up the ante, so to speak, and uh, we'll see where the chips fall after that. Um, but yeah, I will. I to your point though, Gabby, like this is the type of guy that Mario Cristobal gets fixated on, right? And it's like I don't want to need- lose this guy. I mean, and that's like the vibe that I've gotten. Like, yeah. I like it's just been like we cannot lose this guy. Like, right. I got must get. We cannot lose him. Line like, of those types of things. Freak. Yeah, like yeah. I'm telling you, like best play, best looking player on the roster. Like <laughs> these are all things that were kind of like that's all right. the feedback that I was getting over the weekend. Like in between everything I had going on, like this were like little text messages I was getting and exchanging and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, we know the Mario Cristobal fixation on some of these top recruits. I think Daryl Jackson is is that guy for him right now. So, um, you know, again, I like, I like Mario Cristobal in a recruiting battle. I like where Miami stands. Of course, uh, can't ever rule out Florida. Um, right. So I, you know, it's, 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 it's a recruiting battle. It's going to get tight. And uh, I think Miami put themselves in a good spot. So again, this is uh this is like the last week where guys can enter their names in the portal and transfer whenever they want to transfer between now and the start of the 2022 season and be eligible. Right. Um, we discussed how Eric Gentry could be a a name to know here in the coming weeks. Um, the Arizona state outside linebacker. Do we think Miami is going to chase other guys? Um, and again, they probably have to be quality guys. Of course that, that goes without saying, but like, okay, what about like a receiver? Do you think if a proven kind of wide receiver one, uh, maybe even like a productive wide receiver two at another school enters the portal. Um, could you see Miami making a move there? Yeah, honestly, I could. I, I mean, just I know I can throw on the message boards that, 
you know, when Jalen Robinson, the UCF wide receiver transfer entered the portal, I think that's someone that they're intrigued by. I know that they're working on getting in communication with him. I mean, just kind of like looking at just his career, 55 catches, 979 yards, six touchdowns, 17.8 yards per catch while at UCF. So, I mean, a guy that was highly productive at one point, I think he had an injury that sort of held him back in 2021, but had a super productive uh, 2020 season. Um, so I think that's potentially a name to know. I know he just officially visited Ole Miss had like, you know, for some of you that are on tune on Twitter and all that stuff had that sort of viral clip of, you know, riding in Lane Kiffin's Rolls Royce yeah. saying, uh, Ooh, Mo, my, my, can my Uber drop me off at the hotel? And it's Lane Kiffin. Yeah, you know, it's wild. So he was at Ole Miss on an on 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 official visit over the weekend. You know, I've, he's from Fort Worth, Texas. I believe TCU somewhere in the mix there too, potentially an SMU type, uh, with Rhett Lashley over there. Uh, I think Miami is interested. I definitely think he's a, a name to monitor. Uh, I think another just intriguing, uh, wide receiver in the portal, you know, with, um, with, uh, you know, we talked about Eric Gentry and Arizona state transfer, another Arizona state guy that entered the portal, Ricky Pearsall, uh, caught 48 passes for 580 yards with four touchdowns last year for the sun devils. He's like a six foot two, maybe like 200 pound type of guy that's made some plays out there at West. I'm not saying he is a guy. I don't know if he is a guy, but if I'm just looking at receivers, I think he's another yeah. in pretty intriguing name. I think he's going to take an official or, or go check out Florida, um, as well. So some, uh, another one that's generating some, some major power five interest. But if a guy enters the portal, that's like fits those characteristics, sure. Miami, I think it's fair to say too, if an offensive lineman that would be worth chasing, they would probably chase it specifically tackle. I think um, it would definitely pretty- go get a tackle. Yeah. So uh We'll see, you know, it's, it could be a busy week in the portal or it could be a bunch of nothing. Um, speaking of Lane, visiting Mississippi and Lane Kiffin, right? Uh, quarterback target at the high school ranks, Jaden Rashada was there over the weekend. Um, there, there's been some buzz, Gabby. I think that maybe he was thinking about visiting Miami this week. What can you relay as far as you know with that situation right now? Yeah. Um, all I know is that right now the visit isn't happening. Um, I think, I think there was a chance that it was happening Uh, from what I understand. It was just rescheduled. So, but I think there was intention to potentially come back down to Miami this week, which I think is pretty notable, man. I mean, again, we kind of, we kind not, we weren't assuming or guessing or anything like that. I mean, it just felt like, you know, with with like an Arkansas with an Ole Miss pushing that, you know, it could have gotten, you know, just more interesting again, in terms of Miami looking at guys like Dante Moore. right? Right. So, it's a dance both ways. Yeah. So it did feel like Miami, it does feel like Miami's doing, you know, maybe their due diligence with other quarterbacks as well. We'll get into where the coaches are at this week um, or just even just Monday on the road too. So, um, but yeah, Jaden Rashada visited Ole Miss uh, also visited Arkansas recently. Um, Ole Miss just picked up a quarterback commitment from Marcel Reed out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So um, I'm, I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it probably doesn't matter, but I mean, I do think that that's worth mentioning. Arkansas sure. could poten- might potentially get a quarterback uh, commit today too, and uh, Malachi Singleton. We'll see how that plays out. So, I mean, I think uh, you know, Jade. I think Miami's in a. I think they're still in the mix, is what I'm basically yes. trying to say. I do think Miami's very much in there. I think they're very much in there for Dante Moore too. Um, so, I think Miami's just kind of you know still working the exact like kind of like how you mentioned it, just doing the quarterback dance right now. 
kind of have to do it, um, you know, for some of these major guys. And then over the weekend, a big time local receiver visited Hakeem Williams. Did you hear anything about how that went? The, just the vibes coming out of that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to Hakeem yet, but um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to go to Stranahan after we finish up this podcast. So looking forward to catching up with him. I haven't been able to get him on the phone yet, but I'll, I, I'm looking forward to just going over there, just kind of seeing what's the latest with him and his recruitment. Because again, with all these SEC schools involved, he just locked in right. an official visit with Pitt. So, um, I mean, he only got four more of those left. And if he's really seriously looking at Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, um, you know, I think, you know, those, I think those three are very real threats to each get official visits of their own. So um, where does that leave Miami? Um, I think that's something that we're going to have to continue to track and hopefully we get some answers here um, shortly. And so stay locked onto the site for sure. All right. So let's take a break in the second half of this episode. We asked for questions to answer on the inside the message board from our subscribers. And uh, I feel like we got a pretty good mix here of team recruiting transfer, big picture, all that stuff. So uh, we will answer the questions from our subscribers following this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back. All right, Gabby, let's just jump into it. Uh, first question comes from Kane's Chief. He asks, biggest surprise so far in the Mario Cristobal era? And then he says in parentheses, could be a player, could be a recruit, could be a coach could be just a big picture program thing. You want to take this first or you want me to? I mean, I guess I'll, I mean, I guess I can go first. Um, for me, it's just, I, I think really just the coaching staff and not because I didn't expect them to hire a big time coaching staff, but just because I've never really seen anything yeah. put it's together like this before. Yeah. I mean, just like, I mean, you got Charlie Strong. As, yeah. This whole I mean, thing is, it's a little unreal if we're being honest, just what this, the, the change how yeah. drastic it's all been, but sorry, go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, I, it's true. I mean, it's just kind of like, holy crap. And it's just like, okay, you hired the Broyles award winner away from Michigan who just went to the college football playoff. And then you got Kevin Steele. Who's that just like an 
OG defensive coordinator who's done it at so yeah. many major programs. You got Charlie Strong, who was just coaching linebackers in the NFL to go come coach your linebackers. He's also been a head and it's just like I feel like the whole coaching staff in general. I mean, Frank Ponce, even honestly, like right. this guy was just an offensive coordinator at App State, which Jamal I consider to be, yeah, Jamal Dye, who just won a national championship with Georgia. Like it's just kind of wild how the staff all came together and it was all kind of crazy and it was all kind of like everywhere for a while. And I, and I know it was driving me a little crazy, David. I mean, just tracking all of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, the patience of it and just watching it all to come, come together is, I mean, just like the finished product was just like, wow that was like a wow yeah. moment for me like this is really Miami staff right it was another indication that this is real right yeah. that you know it, it was all it was of course a good sign that Miami was able to lure uh Mario Cristobal away from a good situation at Oregon um but what's the next step after that you got to surround them with a very good staff um they're doing that I think the next step is uh you know facilities and resources and they're providing resources with NIL and support staff and all those types of things, which is important. And they are working on improving the facilities too. So uh, again, this is, these have just been massive shifts in, yeah. in leadership and resources. Uh, and it's all been for the better um, in what the span of six months. So it's still, to me, it's a lot to take in, um, but it is, it's definitely encouraging and exciting because it is real. Um, and I think in time, it's going to deliver uh, real results, which kind of is, is where I want to go with this. And to your point, I think a lot of this has to do with the coaching, Gabby, but I, I have to admit, you know, I, not that I've forgotten, but maybe I just became a little jaded about the impact coaching can really have. But when I look back on the spring or just evaluate where this team got better in the spring, um, I think we saw just how a good coaching staff can impact a team. Um, and I'm not saying these problems are fixed, Gabby, but uh, they, they cleaned up and addressed some areas that I didn't think that they would be able to see market improvement in like right. the physicality in the run game, like mm -hmm. coming into spring, did you think it would be as solid as we saw at the end of spring? No, not at all. Cause I, mean, I thought I, it was, yeah. you know, this offensive line was like a finesse borderline soft offensive line in the run game for the past two years. Um, and during the course of the spring, you know, they were, they're pretty solid in the run game, uh, you know, and, and I think that's a credit to coaching what Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal demanded of those guys and got results. Uh, the tackling, did you think it would be as, again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying like, they're going to be the best tackling team in the country, but did you think it would be as solid as it was? in that spring game or in, you know, the, the little bits of 11 on, we got to see, um, compared to what we saw last year. No, I mean, no way. No, I mean, right. just, I feel like that was like right after the spring game. It was just like, I thought it was something you could at least like see and like actually like tell like this is improved. So I guess my point is, you know, good coaches get results. I think I took that for granted. Right. Uh, because I hadn't really seen a coaching staff like this. Um, 
honestly, since starting the website in 2007. Um, and, you know, good coaches get results was what they emphasize. And those were the two main points of emphasis, I think, uh, this spring on, on each side of the ball, right? Physicality, running the ball, getting some sort of push up front from that offensive line in the run game. They did that again. They're not road graders. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but it was a pretty big jump in an improvement. I think still ways to go. And then tackling, I think was fairly solid. Like I, I can't complain about the tackling um, and, and the jump they made there was impressive as well. So to me, Gabby, that's a very good sign. Um, and, and when you start to add or improve the talent level and you combine that with better coaching, that's when you have an opportunity to, to compete for something that's real. Um, next question. Dat, I don't know how to say any of these names, guys. I'm sorry. Dat VG. Dat VG. Dat VG says, <laughs> when do you expect the high school side of things to heat up? I think this is from a recruiting standpoint, Gabby. Yeah. And, and what are the potential dominoes that you could see that could send Miami's class in the right or wrong direction. So how many recruits does Miami have committed now? Like five or six? I, should I think know it's five this. right now. Five right now. So, you know, our, what are your overall thoughts on that? Is that too few right now? We're sitting here on the verge of May. Um, I think by now we kind of learned how, I mean, what does recruiting mean, honestly, in April and May? Um, but it's still, you would still like to have, I guess, more commit, committed quality players in April and May than not committed. Right. Um, but with that being said, like, what is your take on like when things will, will start maybe getting rolling on the high school side in terms of commitments? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm honestly not super worried about it right now. I mean, you look at some of like the traditional recruiting powers, I mean, Notre Dame, nine commits, Georgia, nine commits, I mean, Ohio state, nine commits. Those are, those are like three traditional powers in the top five. And then you kind of go outside of the top 10, uh, Texas Bama. A&M. Yeah. Bama has, I'm still scrolling to find Bama. Bama has three commits. Um, okay. Oklahoma has four, uh, Michigan has six, Texas has five, LSU has four, you know, I think that USC has five, you know, like just kind of comparing a new situation, uh, out West. So, I mean, I think that just across the board, yeah, like maybe so, like, you know, there is some, there are some schools that, you know, have really stacked up. I mean, Texas A&M is sitting on top of the, of the 24 yeah. seven sports team rankings. They have 18 commits. Penn state has 11 commits, you know, like Penn state loaded up early last cycle too. So, I mean, there's some schools that are just operating like that right now, but I mean, I think when you're looking at the, just the grand landscape of college football in terms of just like, where are the traditional top of the recruiting ranking type of programs? Um, they're not all, they're not all up there yet. And that's because a lot of these major dominoes, these highly touted recruits, these, you know, big time prospects haven't made decisions yet. And I think once a few of them start to make those, those decisions, even really like the quarterback dominoes haven't even really started falling the way that maybe they even did last year. You know, these are, yeah. there's still like, I feel like this recruiting process is still delayed in a lot of ways, especially at quarterback. And so there's still a lot of major, major talent, like talent out there that, 
is just uncommitted right now. And, you know, high school is going into spring football. So, you know, a lot of these guys will take visits. You're seeing a lot of guys set up these summertime official visits. Right. So I could see like, you know, once these June officials kind of going August. on, yeah, I could see July going ahead, like being J- July, things get really rolling downhill August. And it just continues on that way. And then of course, during the season, there's going to be a lot of guys that you're going to see want to be committed before their senior years. Cause a lot of guys just want right. to be focused on, that final year of football, of course, you're going to have the guys that drag it on until, you know, the early signing day in December, and they'll take those in-season official visits. But, you know, right now, I'm not super worried about it. Um, I could definitely see things maybe May start to pick up a little bit, um, you know, definitely into June with official visits and camp season and all that type of stuff. And then, you know, Miami just kind of gets going from there. I think June, July, August is like, you know, recruiting happens in waves. Um, You kind of get a little first wave, I think, you know, February, March, you get first, that first wave. I think there's another wave, June, July, August, and then, you know, sprinkle in a little, little bit of fall commits, but then mostly it's like late November, early December is that next wave. So, you know, I know it's not like cool to say on a podcast, but patience is required. I think that's even more so the case when you're chasing elite guys, top 100 guys, Uh, you know, who has, who has the leverage in April, May, Um, the elite recruits or the schools, you know, it's, it's the elite recruits. So you gotta, you gotta go by their timeline at this stage. Um, It's very easy to win the recruiting rankings as we know, right. (laughs) In February, uh, March, April, you can stack a bunch of three stars at this stage and be number one in April. Um, but that doesn't mean much at the end of the cycle. Um, again, you gotta be patient. I think, um, let's say this. So August, right. When Miami starts fall camp, um, what do you think is like a fair amount of commits to have where you're like, oh, I, I feel good about this. What's like the minimum number? The minimum number by August. I mean, I would hope they have like 12. Yeah. Like 12, like anywhere in like 13. 12 to like 15, like 12 to 15 range, I think would be fair. It's fair to like, you know, project that. Right. And I think if you're in that range, I think you're still good to go. I agree. Um, let me see. Next question. Jada478. Uh, he asks, what is the one position on the recruiting board that is the murkiest at this point? I'll throw out what I think, Gabby, and you can either agree, disagree, take it however you want to take it. Uh, for me, I'm kind of murky on like DB in general. I think I'm yeah. more murky on safety, but I'm a little kind of getting murky on corner too. And I'm not saying like they're going to strike out and do a bad job. It's just I don't know if the like clear cut guys who it's like, okay, Miami's a big fan of this guy. And this guy is also really feeling Miami. I don't know if there's that like mutual interest at those safety and corner positions at this stage. Again, it's early that could change this summer, but that's where I'm just little murky on safety and corner. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely fair. Like the, the corner, especially like, Again, it's with Dejon Johnson off the board where Cormani McLean's trending. I mean, I think, I mean, they offered like Jakeem Jackson the other day from Orlando, um, 
or I mean, Osceola, Kiss Me Osceola. I think that's a really big offer. I think that's someone Miami should pursue heavily. Uh, but then you got Damari Brown. And then, yeah, it, it does. It gets kind of murky, especially at safety. I mean, Jonel Guerrero, probably the top of the board type of guy, but he's also considering a whole bunch of other schools. Right. And then after that, you got a kid committed to Louisville. You got a, a, a guy from New Jersey who's never visited before in Jaden Bonsu. So, yeah, I mean, I think defensive back is still extremely kind of blurry, mur- murky right now. Um, I would, I would honestly kind of go to like offensive tackle too. And not because I'm not sure about who they like. I just think that there are so many guys that they do like that. I'm not right. sure who they actually end up with. Cause like two of the commits, Antonio. Tripp, yeah. It's a very wide net on the offensive line. So, I mean, Antonio Tripp is a center Frankie Tinelau, the Australian um, probably going to play more, probably going to be more of a guard type and then a tackle. It's just like, so many, so many names that I feel like are just like, this can go so many different directions in terms of terms of like how the, the interior, maybe like even the tackle body sort of end up too. So that's one position where I'm just like, I get, I get who they like and all that stuff, but it's just like, who is it going to be? Yeah. And again, I think this is also a product too of like, they're not settling, right? So they right. could easily settle for a guy who, you know, his next best option is, uh, Virginia, right? Like obviously Miami would stand out to those, that type of guy. They're legitimately trying to battle with Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state. Um, and so, yeah, things are going to be murky until they, you know, recruit, 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 separate from the pack, etc. So we're not saying this is a bad thing that it's murky at these positions. We're just saying it's not really a clear cut situation where we can like say, yeah, these corners, these safeties, these offensive tackles are definitely going to be in the class. Does that make sense? For sure. For sure. That's how I feel. All right. I am Brock nine. Uh, he asks any update on some of the big time South Florida guys like Ruben Bain, who's from Miami central edge rusher and Jalen Brown, the Gulliver prep wide receiver. We're crushing the portal, but could, but could use some high school momentum slash big time talent to be class ambassador. We'd love to see some high school guys start hopping on board. So, Gabby, I guess let's let's start uh, let's start with the ambassador role. Is there a guy out there that maybe he's already committed? I don't know if that. Let me see. I don't know if I'd necessarily put anyone there. I mean, Robbie nah. Washington's kind of charismatic, but uh, who out there do you look at as being like, okay, if Miami lands him, he has the personality to be kind of like an ambassador, help the staff recruit yeah um I, I think i mean obviously i think a quarterback would be big yes. like let's say That's like where it J- starts yeah i mean i think a Jaden rashada or even a dante Moore type i think it really starts with yes. those guys i mean there's already relationships there like you know robbie washington and Jalen brown are cool with Jaden rashada Jalen brown has a really good relationship with dante Moore too so um, i mean i think a quarterback obviously uh would be a fantastic start there um, in terms of some, some of the local guys, I mean, I think Ruben Bain could potentially be, I know someone that's mentioned there, I think Ruben Bain could potentially be one of those ambassador types just because I feel like his name just kind of carries weight here locally, just considering how, you know, productive he's been, how long he's been around. I mean, it's going to be a four-year starter at Miami Central. So I think he's someone that, you know, guys around here that could sort of look to to, to get on board. But I mean, honestly, I mean... My dream scenario, and this is not happening because he's just... He's taking his recruitment to the very last day, but like a guy who would be a beast ambassador for whoever, whatever school he commits to 
and I'm not saying he's even like a Miami elite. So don't read into this, but like Brandon Ennis, like that yeah. guy could help recruit. He is right. charismatic. He's an alpha. He's a guy everyone knows. So like, again, I'm not, I think he's a USC lead. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Miami, but like you get a guy like that. That's how you really start to like stack talent as well beyond just the coach's efforts at recruiting because right. Brandon Ennis is a guy that people want to play with. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, again, when you're kind of looking at the Miami type of lean out again, I don't see obviously Brandon Ennis being that guy for Miami. Right. Uh, but when we're, I'm looking at like, at least the local Miami guys, I mean, I don't know, like Jalen Brown, big time talent, super fast. I mean, what he did on, on like, he broke Taekwon Thornton's uh, meet yeah, record on drop, like, you know, super, but he doesn't have like that. He's not going to be reserved. the guy. Exactly. He's a yeah. more reserved type. He's not going to be on social media, you know, you know, calling guys out Which by their fine. ads. Exactly. Be who you are. Exactly. Yeah. And Ruben, I feel like could potentially be that. Um, I do think he has a little bit more of a reserved personality too, but I think he has like the, the, I don't know, I guess like the, the respect, at least locally, right. where it's just like guys might want to jump on board there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if it there's starts like a with clear... quarterback. If yeah, that's honest. why I think Miami would have to go national with someone like someone yeah. big time nationally that, uh, you know, Aiden like Rashada, gonna, Aiden Rashada, Dante Moore, what are those guys? Yeah. That would be like my best answer. Jada478 asked another question. This is this is uh, interesting, I think. And we can just go kind of quick fire on this one, Gabby. Impact rating one to 10 on the transfer portal edition so far. So let's divide this up first with the guys who actually participated in spring. Right. Um, and impact can be whatever you want to make it. Like we don't have to necessarily go super in depth on why we feel this way, but just first impression one through eight. So let's start with running back Henry Parrish one through 10. I'll go like a seven. I'll go eight. Okay. Uh, wide receiver, Frank Latson. Five. Seven. Okay. Offensive lineman, Logan Sagapolo. Five. Be honest. Uh, I'll go five. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I say five because I do think he's a two deep guy, right? So he, yeah. he'll be in the two deep. Uh, Jake Lichtenstein. I, go like a, I can go like a, like a seven with Jake Lichtenstein. I'll go six. Uh, Antonio Moultrie. I mean, uh, we didn't get to see him. Yeah, so. we didn't really see him. So I don't know. I'll go Give five. A, uh, I'll go five just to yeah. be conservative, I guess. That's fine. I'll, I'll ride with you there. How about the guys that haven't, that didn't play in the spring, right? Uh, Akeem Mesador. Yeah, I think that's, he's like a nine. I'll I go think nine. You gotta be, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really big time guy. Mitchell Agude. I'll go eight. Eight, same. Uh, Caleb Johnson. I'll go seven there. Seven. Daryl Porter. I, I feel like I'm just trickling down. I'll go six. I don't know. I'll go seven. Okay. Okay. Jonathan Dennis. Uh, I'll probably go five. Yeah, I'll go six. I think he's I, – I give him a little more credit than Logan, I think, but five, six. I agree. And then just hypothetical guys, like a Daryl Jackson, where would you do that? I would put him at like a, a an eight. Yeah, I'm somewhere between eight and nine. Yeah. Uh, and Eric Gentry. I'd be really intrigued there. I'd probably go like nine there. Yeah, I'm like eight, nine there too. So hopefully that gives you an idea, just our impressions, our expectations of the transfer portal guys uh, Miami has coming in. Uh, Panhandle Kane 
assuming all are healthy, including Trevante Citizen, who's the 2022 signee, uh, not at Miami yet, but should be this summer. Rank the running back room in terms of who you think should get the most touches this season. Let's just cap it at top three. Yeah. Um, you go first. Just go one, two, three. I'll go Knighton, Parrish, Cheney. Okay. I'll go I'll go Parrish, Knighton, Franklin. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so yeah, I... why didn't we include Citizen? I I don't know. I gotta see it. Like yeah, of course. I do think he's really it. talented. For sure. Is he gonna walk in and be better than these guys already? I don't know. Like I'm not ready to go there yet. But yeah. the staff is very excited about Trevante Citizen. Don't For get sure. us wrong. Um, but yeah. You're riding with Jalen Knight, huh? Yeah, man. Bro, I don't know. I mean, I thought he was like really good. Just yeah, um... no, he is. He is. I just I I think Henry Paris is just more complete. Yeah, maybe. I mean, nine to me is just like a home run hitter, and I can ride with like the big playability stuff. Right. He's not probably, maybe not, might not be the most consistent, but when he can, when he can pop off for those seventy-five yard scores or those big play scores, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of roll the dice on that. And I think he's better at that than Parrish, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I just think the staff loves Parrish. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I think. And I, I mean, the Ke- the Kevin Smith thing too. I think yeah. that, like he's obviously a newcomer, but is he like he probably he's probably more familiar than right. any of the other guys are. And he obviously played all spring. Mm-hmm. It's fair. It's fair. I, 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 I want to hear more about the Franklin over Cheney. Cause I, I feel like I, you're going to get, think, I don't know. I feel like you're going to get some pushback on that. I, I could see it again. Cheney hasn't been healthy. So this yeah, is me that's why. Yeah. So. It's a cop out, but like, I still think Cheney's got, I think he's got some, I think he's got a ways to go in terms of like getting back to what he was like I he was out there cutting on the leg and doing all that which is fine and good to see but I still think he needs to and this is just part of the injury process I'm not criticizing him for this but I think the conditioning level needs to improve a little bit um, and, and he will be able to do that this summer once he's able to fully work out and run etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so I also think too there's that change-up factor that Thad Franklin brings to the room, right? He's, he's the biggest back on the roster. Um, and, you know, I think there's something to giving defenses a little bit of a different look from Henry Parrish and Jalen Knight. Um, I am a Don Chaney fan. I think people who listen to this podcast know that. Um, coming out of high school, I thought he was better than Jalen Knight. But I think Don is still working his way back from his yeah. injury thing. And so that's why that's why I kind of give the nod to Thad. And I think I, I think Thad's got something. I'm not, I don't know if he'll ever be like a clear number one running back for Miami in his right. career. But again, that change of pace, like, all right, we're gonna pound you now with Thad. I also think Mario Cristobal's about that life. So yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, I was, and I think, I think dad deserves his flowers for sure, bro. It was a debate. Really spring. Yeah, of course. It it's definitely, debate debate. I, th- yeah. I think it's, I think it's a debate potentially over there. You know, I think that there's some guys have to be feeling like, I mean, are we really not going to utilize that Franklin? I mean, it I seems think he like exceeded he can... their expectations yeah. in the spring. I did. I'm sure. That's what and I've again, heard. and just kind of like even touching on what you are just like, just Mario Cristobal's personality and what he wants to do. Like he has to see a Thad Franklin type and just be like, oh yeah, like 
Correct. Put the put the ball in that guy's <laughs> hands when when we can, like when we need him in certain situations. Like let's pound it. And I think that that can definitely be that type of guy for them. Red Pill stepdad asks. A lot of fans are expecting a top five class. Based on what you know, can we compete with the top five like Bama and Georgia when it comes to NIL? Or are we in that six to 10 range with Oregon and Notre Dame? I mean, for me, I mean, I can't, I don't know a ton about everyone else's NIL stuff. I right. just, I know. I think prices. NIL wise, they could get it done. They could for be sure. top five. For sure. Will they be top five though? To me, I, I kind of view this class as it needs to be top 10. I think it's very hard to break into that top five. Um, Cause I, I think you got to just ink in four schools. To me, four schools, no matter what are going to be in that top five. And I don't think that necessarily has to do with NIL. I think they're going to be good in NIL too, but I don't think it's because their NIL is so much better than Miami's NIL. I think it's because their football programs are rolling compared to where Miami's is just starting to get rolling. So Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Texas A&M. Yeah. Those are four locks. I'd be surprised if those four are not at the top five. Would you agree? For sure. Or at least three of those. Yeah. And so the fifth spot up for grabs, right? Um, Texas could be in there. Penn state, Notre Dame, USC going to be back. Mm-hmm. Clemson, Oklahoma. So though that's like five to 10 ish, right? So Miami has to be in that mix. And I think, I think there's nothing wrong with that six to 10 range. And you got to live in that area. I think for a couple of years, you get results on the field, then you level up to that top five status. But I don't think the NIL factor, as far as we know right now, I don't think that's going to be a disadvantage for Miami ever. Does that make sense? For sure. Yeah, no, I definitely don't see it as, as a disadvantage. And yeah, you know, top five sounds nice, but like, exactly, you don't just, we don't just snap your fingers and just like, you know, put together a top five class. I mean, you need the numbers. Like I think Alabama signed like 29 guys last year for a top, like for like that number two class, like for a couple of years ago when they had like the best rated recruiting class it was like a 29 man class. Uh, Texas, what Texas A&M just did to break the, I mean, it's just like, there's a lot that goes into it. So to be in that top 10 range, again, with the schools, like, you know, you're talking Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC, Michigan, you know, as long as you're in the mix with those guys, they're yeah. inside that top 10. I think you're in a good spot for now. Maybe you want to be closer to six than you want to be to 10, obviously, or yes. closer to five than 10. But I think as long as mine sits in that range, at least in 2023, I think that's, that's a fair very finish good. for them. Yeah. That's a very good year. And again, once you, once you start getting results in the field, then you jump up into that top five. Yeah. Cause that's when you start rolling downhill, like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state and Texas A&M is on the verge of getting there. Uh, we'll see if they can, we'll see if they can get those results on the field this year. Um, they're definitely getting recruiting results. Um, all Kane, who on the roster, who is on the roster that didn't get a chance before that could crack the rotation under Mario. This was a, this was an interesting question. Like I didn't have any like crazy answer other than like Isaiah Dudson, like Isaiah Dudson's who I thought of. I thought, I mean, Thad Franklin too. I know we keep talking about him, but like he was on the roster. I guess he got kind of got a chance last year. I think he kind of passed up Cody last year. Yeah. He kind of did. I thought Isaiah Dudson's where my head went. Yeah. Like I, outside of that, I don't know if there's like any crazy name 
to like oh. highlight off the top of my head. Um, the crib wants to know, do we finish in the top 20 for total offensive defense? And that like, if, if they can, or will they, I mean, they finished in the top 20 total offense last year. Top, and, it depends on the metric, right? Right. So what metric I think, yeah. which I was just looking at total offense, total defense, they finished 75th in total defense last year. So that would have to be a pretty significant leap to get into the top 20. Again, I don't think we need to be in the top 20, but I think they need to right. just significantly improve if they get into the top 40, maybe or top 45 or whatever it is. I mean, that's a, that's an over 30 spot improvement. I think that's more realistic. So I think total that's more attainable. offense as the NCAA, like the NCAA stat for total yeah. offense is just yards, right? Yeah. So if we're just having a discussion about yards, I don't know if, I don't know if Miami's going to be a top 20 offense in total yards like they were last year. Now they could be a top 20 offense in advanced metrics, right? Um, I would, I'll, I'll lean toward this, like the metrics that account for pace and all that type of stuff. I'd like to see Miami be a top 30 offense. Top 20 would be great, but let's go top 30 defense. I think the goal needs to be top 40 um, by advanced metrics that account for pace, all that type of stuff uh, rather than just yards, right? Yards is kind of like the old school way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, like a top 30 offense and a top 40 defense, you know, and, and I think they could potentially be top 20 offense, but to me the yeah, the jump on defense needs to be in the thirties, have a defense in the thirties. That's a pretty good jump from what they were last year. And yeah. if they do that, you know, you're looking at a nine, nine and three, 10 and two maybe 11 to one, if you get some breaks. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where my head is at right now. And again, this changes if they close on some of these transfers we highlighted earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Um, J black three, three, four. What is the worst case record and best case record this year? Pretty good segue. Yeah. No. I'll go. So to me, worst case, and again, I am not predicting this. <laughs> But if we're just saying worst case, I think it's six and six. You know, you look at a loss at like Texas A&M, North Carolina, a rivalry game against FSU, at Clemson, Pittsburgh. So that's five losses there. And then worst case, right, you throw in a random, and we've seen this the last handful of years, right? We've seen random losses that make yeah. zero sense. A random loss to a Virginia Tech or a Virginia or a Georgia Tech, right? Losses that make no sense that Miami should have no business losing. You know, that's why Mario Cristobal was brought in to eradicate those type of losses. But maybe in his first year, they still kind of happen as he's trying to change, change the trajectory of the program. So I think worst case, six and six. What would you say there? Worst case. Yeah, worst case six. I guess six and six. I was gonna go like maybe seven and five, just to be like slightly more optimistic. It could be, yeah. But um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, worst case. I mean, we can get like really, really dark. We can here, go dark, like, yeah. uh, We can go like worst case is like they just they they go beat like the FCS like the the G five opponents. I mean, they're obviously not going there, but um, you know, worst yeah, case I they mean, like lose to Jacksonville State or something. Yeah, exactly. And um, they plant and they plant the flag in the middle of the field. Best case. You know, I think best case, honestly, too, uh, let's say we'll, we will 
expand this to transfers, right? So best case, Miami lands Daryl Jackson. Miami mm-hmm. lands Eric Gentry. Miami lands a proven receiver. When that happens, you can convince me of 10 and 2, and if everything breaks right, I could see 11 and 1. To me, that's best case. But that's contingent on still landing some of these transfer guys that would be nice upgrades. Yeah, I think roster as it is now, just with Akeem Mesador, Caleb Johnson, I think best case, I mean, maybe you can, again, maybe, nine maybe. And three now. I yeah, think. maybe 9-3. and three. Again, if, yeah. again, if things go really well, potentially pushing that 10-win regular season mark. But, I mean, I think I would feel best right now if I'm saying, like, this is a great season, 9-3, which I think would be a win. Like, I think that'd be really yes. good. I think that gets you That's into the ACC championship game. So, I mean, I think nine and three could, I think nine and three would be good. Again, you land a Daryl, you land Daryl Jackson, Jackson, you land Eric Gentry and you land a, you know, a receiver, maybe one that's not even in the portal right now that emerges over the next five days or so. I mean, you can convince me. Yeah. Yeah. You can convince me. We we could start talking crazy on here. Yeah. I'm here for it. If they do that. Um, Rattler Kane. Oh, six. What is it's time to get hot takey. What is your boldest prediction for the 2022 season? I'm not really into bold predictions. I mean, I'll play, but I mean, it's like, I mean, this isn't a, I don't know. Is this bold to say like Tyler Van Dyke rewriting the single season record books? I mean, that counts. I mean, I feel like it could, man. I feel like that counts. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty bold prediction. I thought you were gonna say Tyler Van Dyke is gonna like be sitting down and <laughs> win the and, Heisman. Or something. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna make an appearance at the Heisman at the Heisman ceremony at Radio City Music Hall or whatever or wherever they do it now. Um, my boldest prediction. I mean, again, I don't even know. What about a thousand yard rusher? That'd be bold. That'd be pretty bold. Or a thousand yard receiver would probably be bolder, but a thousand yard rusher would be pretty bold given like all the They haven't had a thousand yard rusher since 2016. I have, I have a good one. I have, okay. I have, I have an okay one. Maybe it's not super bold, but maybe it's, maybe it is. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Someone on the roster has 12 sacks. There's, there's so, someone collects. Wow. 12 sacks. Is that bold? That's really bold. Yeah. Mitchell Gude, just give okay. me all of it. I'm on the Mitchell Gude like hype it. train. That's bold. Uh, d- you, double you digit. Win. Double digit sack, sacker, or whatever it is. You win Double the bold digit. off. I'm what down. about this one? Miami will beat, I don't know which one. One of Clemson or Texas. You know? Miami will beat one of Texas or Clemson. Yeah. Just cast that wide net and when I'm yeah. right, I just, you know. Oh, just start, just start pounding your chest on it. Yeah. Called it. Called um, it. All right. We got two more. Rattler Kane 06. What additional moves does this staff have to make to completely change your outlook on this upcoming season? I feel like we've, we've yeah, I feel like we've kind of touched on that. So they, they land some of these transfers. Like I think right now, Gabby and I are like nine and three, we could see nine and three. I think pre-spring we thought eight and four. Right. But they've since, you know, since spring went pretty well and they've since added Akeem Mesador, who big time player on the line of scrimmage and Caleb Johnson, who's a linebacker upgrade, will help the depth there. So I think we're willing to bump up nine and three now. You land a proven wide receiver one, in addition to like Eric Gentry, Daryl Jackson. We could see double digits. That should be the expectation then. So we'll see if they can close in the portal. All right, last thing, Gabby, Mike Labreu. Sorry, I butchered your name, Mike. Mike Labreu? Um, so it could, Gabby, be Mike, it could be Mike L. Abreu. 
See, but the way they capitalize it, it's yeah, it's confusing. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Lebrew. That would be weird. But it could be true. Gabby, you got big news going on in your life, buddy. <laughs> yes, um, I do. So Gabby's announced. So what? Like uh, ten days ago or so, you announced that you're expecting. Yep. So congratulations, and thank then you, over the you. weekend, you announced the gender. So for those that don't follow you on social media, tell us what's going on. Yeah, man. Uh, having a baby girl. Uh, yeah. Super, super excited about it. Uh, extremely emotional. I'm just that type of dude. So yeah. uh, we've been buying like little girl clothes and all that stuff. And I'm just like absolutely melting. That's so fun. yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been really nice, man. So uh, yeah, it's been it's really, really cool. So Mike wants the deets. Mike, yeah, Mike wants a lot of deets. When's the due date? Like Mike wants to know, and he wants to know, do you have a name? So go ahead and announce it to the world on Through the Smoke. (laughs) That's a good idea. I'm sure Natalie's going to absolutely love this. Um, Due date, uh, it's October uh, right now. Uh, I think that. So right now we're looking at like October 19th. So right in the middle of football season, you know, just right there. It is what Uh, it is. fall, Fall baby. Uh, we're still working on names. We have a couple in mind, so I'm going to have to hold out on you guys there. Okay. We'll but, be the um, first to know though, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, before, good. before anyone, before my parents know, I'll make sure all of our listeners here at Through the Smoke uh, know first. So all right. there we, well, go. we are, we are excited for Gabby and Natalie. And uh, how about this? Parenting advice, unsolicited parenting oh, yeah. advice. Gabby needs it. it all. So everything in the comment section of the article of this podcast, Give Gabby your unsolicited parenting advice. If you want to leave us a review, five-star review. Oh, yeah. With some unsolicited parenting advice. Uh, Gabby's here for it. So uh, it's going to be a fun journey, Gabby. You know this. You're ready for it. Yep. Um, We're excited. So uh, we will end it on that happy note. Until next time, everyone, take care.